it's never too late to do anything that's vitally important to do, right? It's kind of like the same thing of, you know, is it too late to finally get fit? Is it too late to finally eat well and exercise? You know, is it finally too late is it too late to, you know, work on my relationship with my spouse or, you know, enhance the relationship I have with my kids, you know, I mean, it's a mindset. And I know you talk a lot about this. It's more of a mindset issue more than anything else, right? If, if it's time for a change, it's time for a change. It's never too late for that. So that would be one. But the second thing is uh, you better get going. Welcome back to another episode of Financially Free with Cleo podcast. I am your host, Cleo Childress, and this is a show to help you live financially free in your own way. And we have a special guest here today, Mr. Barry Spencer, and I'm so excited to have a conversation with him. He is a financial educator, an author, speaker, a philanthropic estate and retirement income planning specialist. So he's going to give us all these tips, great advice, wisdom that we can use to transform our lives. But before we jump into that, I would love to know when it comes to money, you know, did you learn about money as a child? Did you have family that introduced you to it as a kid or a teenager? Or did you really not get into it until you were an adult? Well, Cleo, great to be with you and a great question to kick off the time for sure. Um, I grew up around money. My dad was a very successful uh, business owner and entrepreneur. So I grew up around observing someone who was very disciplined in success, uh, but not a, as an investor. So I was the one that actually initiated the investment side of my finance uh, career when I was 15 years old. I was 15 years old. I came to my dad and I said, dad, I'd like to buy uh, a mutual fund. And it was a growth sort of mutual fund. Uh, it was called the Burger 100 fund back then. And it required a minimum of $500 to invest. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I didn't have $500 to invest. So I said, dad, if I come up with $250, would you match my 250 so I can get this money invested? I don't plan to touch it. I'm just going to invest it for the future and let it go. So to his shock and utter surprise, I came back next week with $250. And he matched my 250 and we bought the first, I bought my first mutual fund, the Burger 100 fund when I was 15 years old. That felt so good and so amazing. And I was so revitalized to think I have money that's going to start earning in my sleep mm -hmm. that I kept doing it. And I did it over and over and over again during high school so that as I graduated from high school, I actually left with a really nice nest egg as I continued into the poor years of college. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That is so cool to do something like that at a young age. For those of those, for those people that don't know, can you explain quickly like what a mutual fund is and how important it is to encourage other teenagers to start something like that? Well, it's funny because uh, you know, Warren Buffett started investing when he was 13 years old. And someone asked him one time, you know, what would, what's your only regret or what's the one thing you would go back and change and do different if you could? And he said, I would have started sooner. <laughs> and then actually a lot of people don't know. And I have a graph uh, somewhere, somewhere that I, that I share with folks at times is 
the majority of Warren Buffett's growth and net worth has come in the last 20 something years. Mm. It's really been since he's been in his seventies that he's amassed because compound interest has really just multiplied his wealth. And actually his least amount of investment gains over his investment career has occurred in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. So his biggest gains came early, but his biggest net worth expansion has come later. Mm-hmm. So that really fits into the principle of investing for the future and get compounding working for you sooner, not later. And so the sooner you do that, the better the better off you are. So to your specific question, which was great, I thought I would preface that first. Oh, yes, that was great. Uh, Cleo, I'm sorry. And, and it was, and it's really... There's different ways. There's mutual funds, there's ETFs and individual stocks. So mutual funds are a, 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 a basket of stocks that are actively managed by a portfolio manager. It's really the old way to be, invest, if, you, if I'm honest. Um, it was the only way I could get in as a kid because I'm old. And it's the only way I could get in as a kid because you couldn't buy individual stocks because trading costs for one trade was like $250, right? So, I mean... I, 50% of the of the money I would have to put in would go to trading costs. Uh, Exchange-traded funds, otherwise known as ETFs, uh, have, weren't around. So the only real way to invest back then were mutual funds. I think, I think mutual funds today are outmoded and uh, outclassed by uh, yeah, exchange-traded funds mm-hmm. because there's very low cost. You're getting funds across many, you can pick a sector and it's not really actively managed. It's just companies that go in there. And, and so you're kind of, you're able to be a little bit more customizable. Um, and then the, in the superior way, if you can amass enough money, you know, and I would say, you know, if you can get up to 40, 50, $60,000 or more, you can then put together a basket of individual stocks. There's no cost, like we use Schwab. There's no cost to trade individual stocks at a platform like Schwab. So the superior way to really do that is, is to own individual stocks. Now that takes a little bit of expertise and working with someone that actually knows what they're doing and that kind of thing. And we can get into mistakes that people make in that area. But those are the three different ways to invest. And, and we really lean towards, because of the uh, many reasons uh, beyond what I've even said, to exchange traded funds and individual stocks. Hopefully that's helpful. Oh, yes, most definitely. Thanks for sharing that. Because I think a lot of times, I've come across adults who are, you know, in I'm 36. So I come across other people that are around my age, a little bit under, a little bit over, but they feel like they've missed, you know, the perfect time to invest. You know, when we hear people say, hey, I started when I was a teenager or my early 20s and they feel a little discouraged, you know, what do you say to those people who feel like, I'm in my 30s. It's too late. I, I might as well not start. But I feel personally, it, it's not too late. So what would you tell that person that, that may be in their 30s or 40s and they're just starting? Well, what would be a I, good first step? <laughs> yeah, that's great. So the first thing I would say is never too late to do anything that's vitally important to do, right? It, it's kind of like the same thing of, you know, is it too late to finally get fit? Is it too late to finally eat well and exercise? You know, is it finally too late? Is it too late to, you know, work on my relationship with my spouse or, you know, enhance the relationship I have with my kids? You know, I mean, it's a mindset. And I know you talk a lot about this. It's more of a mindset issue more than anything else, right? If, if it's time for a change, it's time for a change. It's never too late for that. So that would be one. But the second thing is uh, you better get going. Because at some point, you're either going to choose 
uh, or want to choose to not have a job that produces income, uh, you're going to be forced to not do it because you have some ailment or age or something like that. Uh, uh, you know, or number three, just totally incapable uh, of that. And you've got to have your money. You got to have some money to help you. And um, and and it's something like this. I'm not. I'm not going to quote it exactly right, but I saw it somewhere that like the average person retires with like $153,000 of savings, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And uh, that that's the burden that's put on Medicare and Social Security, and it really becomes uh, the result of the question actually that you've asked. The mindset that people have: Well, it's too late. I'm just not going to do it. And it's like, when are you going to take responsibility for yourself, your family, your future? And, and how you want to live. It's about personal responsibility is what it is, you know? If you're living paycheck to paycheck, if you're still struggling managing your money, you need to join me in the Daily Money Habits text community. Sometimes when we're trying to level up in our finances, we can get overwhelmed and not do anything at all. And then other times we start and we fall off track real quick. And I want to help you stay focused. So in the Daily Money Habits text community, you will get a text from me every single day with a financial affirmation to help empower you and help push you forward through this journey. And the second thing is an action step, me telling you exactly what you need to do every single day to reach those money goals. And you'll also get monthly financial workshops so you can continue on this education and helping you take action on all of this information that you are receiving. So text MONEY HABITS, all caps, to 615-813-4827. It is a paid community. It's $37 a month. But hey, we got to invest in ourselves, right? If we want to see real results. So I will see you in the daily MONEY HABITS text community. I totally agree with taking responsibility because I feel like, you know, when you're younger, you can kind of say, well, you know, no one taught me. I didn't really know better. But after you get a certain age <laughs> and enough life experience, you you can't really say, oh, I I didn't know or no one taught me or it's just too late. I might as well not bother. You know, we do have a responsibility to ourselves and to, you know, our families that are maybe depending on us to, you know, support them and be there for them. I know for me, I have a daughter. She's a freshman in college. And I was a single mom the whole time. And my main goal was I didn't want her to struggle financially like I did. You know, she's in college, no student loan debt at all. But when I went to college, that was all I was taught was to just take out all these student loans, you know, not being educated on other options to pay for school, you know, you know, instead of student loans being your only option. So I I definitely agree with that as far as taking responsibility accountability and just starting where you are and believing that you're worth it, you know, that you can live the life that you want to live. Even if you start in your twenties, teenager, or if you start in your thirties or forties and beyond. Um, So I'm glad that you mentioned that about taking accountability because, you know, this is some serious decisions that we have to make. And I know that you mentioned that your clients, you know, they're a higher net worth client. So I want to know, like, did you see, because of course in the news, we always heard about, you know, some of the, you know, lower income, you know, people who are struggling during the pandemic. Did you see any challenges with some of your clients that have a higher net worth? Did anything change for them uh, in the pandemic in a negative way? Or did you see mostly they had, you know, 
increases in income or gains in some way in their investments? Well, you know, this gets back to, you know, financial uh, security, right? And wherewithal. So if you've done the work, if you've done the work early on and saved along the way, when something like a pandemic comes along and there's a shock to the economic and the financial sector, you can weather that storm and you can weather it fairly well, fairly easily. Um, and we really work to educate our clients too to, and to prepare them that these things happen. We don't know what the cause. We don't know that it's going to be a pandemic. We don't know that it's going to be a geopolitical event like a war or anything else. But what we know is there's going to be shocks to the system on a regular basis. So however you think about this, how you save, how you invest, how you prepare for the future has to incorporate these kind of events in that scenario. And if you do that, you're not surprised when they're happening. You're surprised how they happen or where they come from or the magnitude. And that's just human, right? But you're not surprised about them happening. And that's a really big difference for those that are really savvy and smart and, and plan right. They don't get surprised by those things. And so our, our clients uh, really aren't, and, and I'm not, I mean, um, yet I see a lot of people are, and they just, they get and they make one of the biggest mistakes in finance, which is making knee-jerk reactions. And if you're not planned for it, you really do. And that's wealth destruction uh, all over it when you do that. Mm, I totally agree with, with panicking. I was having a conversation with a friend and he is new to investing. He's you know started investing in the stock market. But, you know, when you see those numbers go all the way down, you know, people panic and want to pull out their money. And I had to explain to him, I said, look there are going to be things that happen in the world, on the news and the media, and people are going to panic and, you know, make certain decisions. But that's not always the, the first thing you should do is panic and just pull out all your money. So I think people are realizing that, hey, things are going to happen. Something may happen next week, tomorrow, you know, next year that we're not, that we didn't plan. Like when the whole shutdowns happen with the pandemic, I don't think any of us saw that coming uh, the way that it did. But I know for me, I felt as far as financially, I didn't feel stressed because I knew I was prepared. You know, back in the day, years ago, I probably would have been stressing like, well, what am I going to do for money? But it did feel good to know financially I wasn't worrying where money was going to come from. And even if my main source of income stopped, I still had you know, savings and investment set up to where I was still going to be okay. So I think that, like you said, no matter what your, um, you know, net worth is or how much you make, we all have to prepare, even if no matter what the income is. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. And I know with your, um, you know, the, you know, wealth with no regrets and what made you think about putting that together like that, you know, wealth with no regrets, because I know, for me, I used to regret a lot of things financially that I went through, but then I started to realize, you know, there were lessons learned. So, you know, how do you teach your clients about, you know, not regretting things from the past and using them as, you know, lessons learned to, to help themselves in the future or maybe helping, you know, other people in their lives? Yeah, that's a great question. And the foundation of it came from personal experience. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, my father was a successful entrepreneur and business owner and had done his job of accumulating assets and wealth for he and my mom. And when uh, before he passed away, uh, he passed away at the age of 62. 
And he lost a battle with cancer, a multi-year battle with cancer at the age of 62. Before he passed away, I remember uh, laying on the bed with him and he said, you know, Barry, you're going to need to take care of mom. And it didn't hit me at the time that he said it because I thought, well, okay, fine. But haven't you already taken care of mom? Like, what am I going to really need to do? It just didn't hit me, right? Um, I didn't know the magnitude of his resources. I just knew he had done well, right? And, um, And so when he passed away, I became co-executor and co-trustee, which I also didn't know was going to happen. And so I started to dig into all the finances and all the records, and I went into everything that he had. And there were just some big missing gaps. And there was no income plan. There was no customized investment plan. There was no uh, tax plan. There was no legacy plan. There was nothing. There were assets. There were, uh, uh, you know, statements that tell him how much money he has, right? Uh, There were assets with value, the business, the office building that we owned, all that kind of stuff. All that was there. But what it meant and what it was able to do and how we were supposed to utilize it uh, now from the future for my mom being on her own wasn't there. And I realized that's not who my dad was. Mm -hmm. And I started to think about you know, if he was around to see that, I think he would regret how that played out Mm. for, for the money, for the family, for my mom, for me. Um, And so that's where I kind of started to then do research and talk with folks. And I found a lot of people just, they want to avoid regret, but so many are set up for it, but they don't realize it. So that's where wealth with no regrets comes from was just from uh, seeking and searching uh, down that pathway uh, to realize, man, not only can we not only avoid regret, we can thrive into the future Mm. and create the future we want and the legacy we desire. Join me on the first Sunday of every single month for a money yoga session. And you're probably wondering, what is this money yoga stuff, Cleo? Well, it is a vinyasa style yoga class mixed with financial empowerment. And it's designed to help you relax, reset, and prep for the work weeks ahead. And if we nurture our mind and our bodies, we can live financially free and make better financial decisions. There will be Q&A at the end, so bring your money questions. You can register at cleoyogafinance.com slash money dash yoga. Gotcha. Yeah, I know when I was, you know, learning more about your work, and I know even in your, um, you know, your bio, you mentioned there was pain, you know, of settling your father's estate. Is that where that pain comes from of not having, you know, an organized plan on exactly what to do now that he was gone? Yeah, and there was no plan when he was around. It was, hey, everything's fine. He was still operating the business. And, you know, he was having an income from the business. So, you know, I guess to, to his, in his mind, what, what, what was there uh, to worry about, but that's where the job of a professional and an advisor and someone that can think around the corner, look and look over past the next hill. And that's where they really come in and add value to help you see what you can't see. Aristotle said, if you want to know what it's like to be in water, don't ask a fish because it's hard to get clear about yourself by yourself, Right. And so if you take that principle to heart, you say, well, I need to find some people, some professionals, some wise counsel that can really help me see things I can't otherwise see to be able to create a beneficial future, you know, ahead. Um, Sure, that might 
costs money. It might, you might have to pay the people or what have you, but I don't look at it as cost. I look at it as value add. Mm. And that's what we try to do for our clients is just have some value add to that. Um, and certainly for us, uh, it was, uh, took us three and a half years to settle the estate. And that amount of time, uh, the wealth my dad accumulated was nearly cut in half. Mm. So if you think, well, let's just say it was even 5% or 10% of it. What is it worth? What did it have been worth investing, not paying, but investing that kind of money to prevent all that, which was all preventable. Mm-hmm. And I would say on the other side, absolutely. Absolutely. It would have been right. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a really big, big piece, you know, that don't be, you know, don't be so short-term focused that you lose perspective of the, of the long-term and get someone to help you. If this is not your, your thing or you're new, or, you know, for those, for those in your audience that are new, have never done this before. Yeah. You can learn it as you go, but it's going to be expensive. You are going to make some mistakes and it is going to be costly. Mm-hmm. Or find someone that's a really uh, uh, sound professional with good wisdom, operates by principles, values, that's not trying to sell and pitch you any product or investment. Uh, they're going to make money when you work with them, but not someone that's trying to push you to something you're not comfortable with, that's not patient enough to explain it. Uh, someone that's willing to put together a plan that helps you organize from an income and investing and a, a tax standpoint, very importantly. And thinks about all those things and where protection pieces come in, all that kind of think through the whole piece of it. And when you do, you'll you'll have a better outcome as a result. Now, it is hard finding those people, but if you can, that's that's a smart move. Thanks for sharing that, because I know when I meet people, sometimes they're like, I do want to hire a professional, but they struggle with picking the right one. And I tell people, you may have to talk with a few before you actually, you know, pick that one that you really want to hire. And I know you mentioned, it's like, you know, pick someone that's, you know, not just trying to sell you. Like we know they're going to make some money, but at the same time, you want someone that's going to, that's, you know, genuine, that really wants to help you, that will educate you on what all of this means. Because if you're not used to hearing all these different terms and making these types of decisions, it can feel overwhelming, but we can't avoid it. We have to do this stuff. So, and you can't do it by yourself. And that's something that I used to try to do years ago was try to figure it all out by myself. But I realized I was driving myself crazy trying to fill up, you know, figure it out by myself. And I had to remind myself, Cleo, this is not your lane of expertise. You know, you're not an estate planning attorney or estate planning expert. Like it's okay not to know, but it's not okay to just not do anything. Uh, so for those people out there who, you know, they have, you know, you know, a great income and, and assets and they have kids or people in their family that they're taking care of, you know, what are at least, you know, maybe two to three first steps that they need to do? I know you already shared uh, some already, but you know, what are the next few steps that they could take if they, don't have a wheel, don't have any type of estate planning going on. What do you think? Uh, what is that first step that they could take? Maybe one to two or three steps. Yeah, I think there's three three principles to follow. And number one, I would say to, and this is what I wish my dad knew, honestly. Um, <laughs> dad, write down, number one, write down things that are important to you about your mm-hmm. money, about your family, about your future, about your legacy, about what you want to accomplish. You know, write that. So get outside the money for a minute. 
And just write down the things that are part of your passion and your heartbeat, right? One of the things that would have been on the list had he done it and had someone advised him to do it, like we do for all our clients, is uh, philanthropy. My dad was a big giver. Uh, and I came to realize in settling as a state that uh, he and my mom gave away uh, about a third of their income every year. Mm. So generosity was a big, big component. But in his planning, generosity wasn't in there at all. Mm. Nothing had been accomplished that. Um, and so, you know, those kind of things help you assess the options available to you and you can judge them against the things that are important to you. And it really, it pulls you, it pulls back this, I don't know what you're talking about and says, here's what I want. Tell me how this helps me accomplish that. And if the person you're talking to can't help you see that or realize it, they're not the right person. Right. And you're assessing it based on what you know you want. Right. So that'd be the first, write down what's important to you. And then number two, I always tell people, uh, secondly, you know, hire a specialist. And so here's what I mean by that. Hire someone that, uh, that is a specialist in you. So when you sit down with them, they listen to you, right? They hear what your heartbeat is. They ask really good questions. They want to hear what you have to say about yourself, your life, not just your money. They want to know what you're, what you want it to accomplish financially, of course, but they specialize in you and understanding and knowing you as a person. The other part of it, they specialize in situations like yours. Mm -hmm. So they work with people just like you. If you go to most advisors and you ask like, what kind of person do you work with? They're going to say anyone who fogs a mirror. Well, they won't tell you that, but that's essentially what they're saying. If you walk in the door with any kind of money and you're willing to hire them, then they'll work with you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and which is why we're really clear. We work with, you know, uh, people who've already accumulated wealth. They've been successful financially. They've been business owners, professionals, um, uh, executives, and they have fairly complex situations and they have other, they're trying to get near retirement. Like those are the folks that we can help really well. Yeah. But that's not everybody. In fact, that's the few. That's, that's like three out of a hundred, three or four out of a hundred. That's about it. Um, but there's a lot of other people that say, Hey, you're trying to save, you're getting started in the process. There's someone that specializes in that situation for you. Find that person, Mm -hmm. right. That specializes in that situation. Hey, I'm getting started. How do I put money away? How do I save? Teach me how to do a budget, like all that kind of stuff. That's great. You know, um, and, and, and find that person that really specializes in your kind of situation. So that's number two is find, find a specialist. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, uh, number three, what I call get an integrated a plan, get an integrated plan. Um, an integrated plan brings in income, investing, and taxes, and protecting your money as well as legacy. It brings in all those components. Um, and here's a great way I like to talk about it and illustrate it. Maybe this will be helpful to folks when you think, well, what does integrated actually mean, right? So I try to put it in another context. Okay. So my father uh, had heart disease uh, from the time he was forty. He had a heart, heart attack at 40 years old, had a whole bunch of heart surgeries through his 40s, had uh, four open heart surgeries in his 50s. One of the, one of the uh, heart surgeries he had in his 50s was a heart transplant. He got a heart transplant at 53 years old at Cleveland Clinic in Ohio. And when you have a transplanted organ, you're given a medication to help the body uh, adhere and keep that heart. I, I came to know that medicine as anti-rejection medicine. And it sent, what it essentially did was trick the body. And it says anything foreign in the body 
can stay. And it does that by breaking down the white blood cells and the defense mechanisms of the body. Well, that also means you're more susceptible to sickness and illnesses. Mm-hmm. So he got cancer. Um, and some years later, he got cancer and then he was treated for cancer. Now, when you're treated for cancer, they give you another medication to try and knock out the cancer. Mm-hmm. Well, the medication they gave him to knock out the cancer also was trying to trick his body. Mm-hmm. When it was tricking his body, it said this anything foreign in the body needs to go. Mm-hmm. So you have one medication tricking the body that says foreign things need to stay. You have another medication saying foreign things need to go. And now they're in competition, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no medicine that you take for your health benefit that doesn't have a side effect. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, when you take two or more medications, more than the side effect is understanding the tactical interactions when you do those things. Yeah. That's integration. What's true in your health is also true in your wealth. There's no one thing you do in your wealth that doesn't also have a side effect. And there's no multiple things you do that also doesn't have a a counteraction to it as well. Mm. So when you get integrated planning, it shows you how all those things offset and how you can beneficially offset those things now Mm. and into the future to help you. Yes. So three things, write down what's important. Mm-hmm. Number two, hire a specialist. And number three, get integrated planning. Mm, those are so good. Thank you so much for sharing those because I think it helps to, you know, have that broken down those first, you know, few steps that you, you can take because when you're looking at what you should do, people can get overwhelmed and like, what do I really, what do I, what do I do first? And what do I do next? So that's a good first start. And of course, like you said, hiring a professional to take you for those next several steps, but getting started, that is so good. And I know in that first step, you mentioned like getting away from the money and, you know, what's, you know, important to you. I know that you are the, you know, four time, you know, Ironman and, you know, triathlete. And it's like, elite triathlete, but I want to know, how do you feel that experience changed your life? Because, you know, I love to be outdoors. I like to be active. You know, I love, you know, working out, doing yoga. You know, I used to play sports and dance and everything. So I know the importance of not just work, 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 but you have to have some things that you enjoy outside of work and your family responsibilities. So how did that experience doing Ironman and being that elite triathlete, how did that affect your life personally and professionally? It, it was um, some of the uh, most exhilarating years of my life doing that. I had a lot of fun. I did. I completed four Ironman competitions, uh, a number of half Ironmans. Uh, Olympics and sprints and all this. And I started finishing in the bottom half to bottom 40% of my age group. And by Mm -hmm. the time I finished, I was finishing in the top 3% in all the races. And so uh, for those that aren't aware, by the way, and this will be helpful for context and answering your question, an an Ironman is a 2.4 mile swim, Mm -hmm. a 112 mile bike right after the swim, and then a marathon 26.2 mile run right after you finish the bike. And the goal is to do it as fast as you possibly can. That's the idea. 
Yeah. Some people have asked me, like, do you do that all in one day? I'm like, I do it as fast as I can in one day. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, for me, I knew hard work was vitally important. My dad, uh, he encapsulated that in his life. He grew up on a farm. He brought the farm to the suburbs is what I like to tell people. Yeah, I grew up with a successful business owner father, but there was no freebies. And it was work and it was work before play, all that kind of stuff. So I always knew that. I always lived that way, uh, getting up early, never sleeping in, never sleeping in, even on the weekend. Um, all that kind of stuff was just natural, right? So if you got to get up and get it done, it was just part of ingrained in who I am and who I've been my whole life. Mm-hmm. But I think Iron Man, what it did was really encapsulate life as a whole into a single race. And what you go through in that race from an endurance standpoint, from uh, an anxiety standpoint, from a wanting to quit standpoint, throughout that race, you want to quit many times in the middle of that race. Uh, You often think there's no way I'm going to finish this. Uh, I can't make it to the end. Uh, I'm dehydrated. I'm not dehydrated. My legs hurt. My back hurts, my sheet, my shoes, my, my feet hurt. Um, I can't breathe. I mean, I mean, there's all these things going on in your head that then play mentally on you to think there's no way I'm going to finish this thing, much less race it like I wanted to do. Right. And that's a lot like life. Life is going to throw you uh, curveballs, things you're not expecting, and you just got to be ready for them and know that it's going to happen. And you've got to find some way inside yourself to push through and keep going when it's hard. One of the things I thought, and and I think as people go into finance and they start saving, they think, well, once I save, uh, because a lot of a lot of time finance it, uh, people will show uh, compound interest working in your favor. You put a thousand dollars in, compound it for eight percent, and you become this mega millionaire. You know, so many years down the road, and I, I that is true but it doesn't compound on average 8% every year. Mm-hmm. And you go through these ups and downs. And at times you think this is never going to work and I'm never going to get to that point. And so I think some of those things are misleading. I did that to myself when I was doing Ironman. I figured if I trained hard and I worked as hard as the pro athletes I was training with, that the race would be easy. And if I did things the right way, and if I just pushed myself harder in the training, that when I came to race day, I would be able to accomplish it and it wouldn't be any big deal. Mm-hmm. What I came to find out is the more I trained myself, the harder I could push myself, and the pain only increased, but never went away. So the pain threshold I had to push through just became bigger, higher, and harder to push through (laughs) than having no pain at all. And I think that's true for life and for finances, Mm -hmm. right? You think, oh, if I finally have a million dollars, I'm going to be set. No, you're just, it's just going to be harder. There's going to be other challenges. It's, Mm -hmm. it's going to be more complex. There's going to be more issues you didn't plan on. And uh, there's more responsibility you could never have imagined, right? Well, then I'm going to hit 2 million and now I'm going to be really good. And then, and you go through that and you think, well, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think understanding that was a big, big piece for me. And it plays itself out through all of life 
from being a husband, being a father, um, uh, being a son, uh, running a business, serving clients and helping them with their future, uh, being a friend, uh, being a philanthropist, serving, uh, serving in different missions programs uh, that I do, all of that applies itself across the board. Mm, that is so true. And I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, it's not going to be easier when you get more money. <laughs> I tell that to people all the time because, you know, when I was younger, like my first job I ever had was $35,000 a year. And I always will say, when I get to six figures, I will be set. <laughs> you made and more than me in your first job. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know when I get, when I cross that six figure threshold, I will be set for life. But then when I got there, like you said, like there's going to be more challenges, more things to push through. You're going to have a, a new, different set of responsibilities. And it was true. And then, I, and then I had the same spending habits, money habits. You know, when you don't change the way you manage money, if you still have the same mindset at 35000 when you cross, you know, and get to six figures, it's, it's, it's not going to magically change. You got to do the work. So like you said, you have to push through. And I think you know, we all should be thinking about other things outside of our jobs and outside of, you know, you know, money, you know, what else do we have a passion for? Do we like that's going to help us in our personal and professional life? So I love that. You know, I always had a, I always wanted to do one of those types of events. I never got the chance. I'm 36. So I'm like, I don't even know if my body's capable of doing it at this point in my life. But like I've done a half marathon and I've done a full marathon once. I did a half twice and then I did a full marathon once. But it's been some years and I want to do it again. So I've been starting to train. Like I already work out and I do yoga. But, you know, when you do those types of events, there's a, you know, different levels of training you have to do. <laughs> so I just want other people to know like you have to find some things outside of work and family responsibility is going to, you know, help you, you know, build that mindset to not give up when things get rough, you know, with your money and business or in your personal life. So I love that. Uh, so one thing I want to do is I do with all the guests on the show is I have financial affirmation cards. So I have a deck here and I'm just going to shuffle them really quick. And I'm just going to pull a random one. And I just want you to tell me how it makes you feel or, you know, what are your thoughts? on that financial affirmation. All right. So the financial affirmation I pulled for you is I am in competition with no one. What I really like about that is your competition is only yourself and the barometer of your ability to become the best version of yourself. Mm. And I think that also helps when it comes to serving other people and looking for other people to serve. When you're in competition with other people, you begin to think they have to lose in order for me to win, mm. or I have to lose for them to win. And while that might be true in reality of if I get a client, they don't get that same client or vice versa, I don't take it as me winning and losing. I'm getting better every day. Mm -hmm. And 
And so I think your greatest competition is just what is the highest and best version of yourself that you're trying to become that's also beneficial to other people and, and seeing that become a reality. And it's up to you. That goes back to personal response. It's up to you to make that happen. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm, of course, I'm going to share a link in the show notes for your book, the secret of wealth with no regrets, because, and I've, you know, already placed my order. Oh, cool. I can't wait to read it. And I've already shared it with my family, but I'm also wanting to share it with my audience too. So I'm going to share the link in the show notes for everyone to get that. But for those who want to connect with you and get more from you, I know I have people in the audience who have a higher net worth, even though majority of them uh, don't, they still are going to get a lot of great information and tips from you on how to get started with <laughs> those plans. But for those that want to connect with you or you know work with you, how can they do that? What is the best way to connect with you? Awesome. Uh, my website is uh, www.wealthwithnoregrets.com. Um, mm-hmm. They can email me, Barry, B-A-R-R-Y at wealthwithnoregrets.com uh, or call 678-278- nine, six, three, two. You can go on our website. There's a, uh, there's a scorecard you can download and fill out, kind of see how you're doing from wealth perspective. Yeah. Email us for a package on, you know, uh, you know, retirement. If you're at that point in life, uh, if you're looking for other resources, we have them there on our website, uh, email me a thought. Let me, uh, let me know that, uh, that you heard me here on your show. Uh, I'd love to hear, hear from your audience members and, and all of that. So that'd be really cool. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And before we end the show today, I would love for you to leave us with last few words for us to continue to push on on our financial journeys. Uh, Make a commitment. Uh, The best outcomes and uh, beneficial outcomes that you have for your future starts with commitment. And the commitment is to yourself. Commitment is to yourself, to your future, to who you want to be. And by the way, who you want to be is who, who you want to be that benefits others. It's mm-hmm. not a self-absorbed, well, I'm this and everyone else can get out of my way, but it's the best version of myself so that uh, others can be better too. And I can thrive in the relationships around me. So make a commitment to yourself, your future and your, and your better outcome and, and you and the world around you will be better off. Yes. Thank you so much. Committed. Stay committed. <laughs> get committed and stay committed. Thank you so much for joining me on this conversation today. I really enjoyed it. And I know everyone out there listening is going to take these tips, this advice, these gems and apply it to their life and also share it with someone else that you care about so they can win as well. So for everyone listening out there, if you enjoyed this episode, if you learned anything from it, I would love your support by subscribing on YouTube or you can subscribe, rate and review on Apple, Spotify or any other podcasting platform you love to listen to podcasts. And I hope to see you and hope you're listening in next week for another edition of Financially Free with Cleo podcast. Have a great week and I'll see you next week. Bye bye. Financially free with Cleo.